you know, you have things that you need to get done in the organization. You don't have the skills within the organization yet to get those things done. And so you either choose to hire the skills in order to meet those objectives, or you develop the skills to meet those objectives. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Practical Learning Professional. My name is Matt Jertsen, the founder and chief learning officer of Better Everyday Studios, and it's been a minute since we had a video. December was kind of a crazy month for me. I actually spent most of the month pretty sick, uh, but now we're in 2023, back at it, and really excited to get started. So today, we're going to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a long time, kind of ever since I really got into and understood corporate learning and development, and that's the the difference in most companies between the recruiting team and the talent development team. It's a difference and a distinction that never really made a lot of sense to me, still doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I get that they're two different things. One, you're hiring people, and one, you're developing the people within the organization. But if you step back and think about it, they're both trying to solve the same problem, right? They're both trying to get to the point where you know you have things that you need to get done in the organization. You don't have the skills within the organization yet to get those things done. And so you either choose to hire the skills in order to meet those objectives, or you develop the skills to meet those objectives. They're both really doing the same thing, but they're, they're treated as two very different things. And, and I don't really think they should because they're, they're very complementary of one another. And in fact, if you take the time to understand your talent development strategy and really put a lot of thought and effort into it, it can really inform your hiring strategy in some really, really critical ways. So to go back in time a little bit, I first started thinking about this when I was working at SpaceX. And at SpaceX, obviously, it's a highly regulated company, right? You know, organizations like the U.S. Air Force, NASA, other national governments, they're purchasing flights on the Falcon 9 rocket to go into space, and it's a very complicated piece of machinery. What they're putting onto that complicated piece of machinery is really, really expensive in, in many cases. You, know, you think about something like the James Webb Space Telescope that costs billions of dollars. They are going to go through a lot of effort to make sure that SpaceX is trained to do what they say they're going to do. How do they know that the employees working at the company can actually achieve what they say they're going to achieve and reach the quality level that these customers are expecting from, from, from SpaceX. And so, you know, they spend a lot of time talking to regulators, doing audits, and they often have to ask the question, you know, an auditor will come in and essentially what they're doing is they're pointing to a person out on the, out on the shop floor and saying, how do you know when that person's trained, right? And, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into that, but on this one particular day, one of the managers from within SpaceX kind of just asked me the question of like, how do we decide when something needs training and when something doesn't need training? You know, when can I just say, oh, we, we kind of hired that in? And uh, we went through a long process of where I ended up kind of making like a flow chart that was kind of just like, are, you know, do you expect people to come into the organization with a particular skill? And how do you test to make sure they have that, they have that skill and, and that kind of thing? And that's what first got me you know, kind of connecting these two dots of acquiring talent versus developing talent. When do you when do you just make sure that you're saying, hey, well, let, let's hire it in, let's get the skills off the street versus let's build the skills ourselves? Because, you know, organizations, I think, tend to very heavily lean on the one side, but 
in the case of SpaceX, because some, they had so many unique skills, you had to build a lot of the skills internally as well. So, so that's what got me thinking about this, but, but how is that helpful? So, so what do you do? If once you draw that connection between hiring and skill development, how can you kind of use your skill development strategy or your talent development strategy to inform your hiring strategy? And this can be incredibly impactful, even if you're an individual manager out in a company. So it doesn't matter if you have anything to do with learning, learning development strategy. It doesn't matter if, if you're setting the broader recruiting strategies, but for you as a manager, you can look at your team, ask training and development questions, and help yourself hire better. And more importantly, hire more cheaply in many, in many cases, or, or you know, make those selections in the way that you want, want to make them. Okay, so what you need to do is you, you look at, at your team or your organization, and you decide what are the gaps that we have, right? That's really what we're trying to achieve. We're not just hiring people just to have headcount. We're not doing training just because, you know, there's skills and skill gaps within our teams. What are the skill gaps that you have? And so once you identify those skill gaps, you can now decide which process should I use? Should I solve this gap, close this gap by hiring people into the role? Or should I solve this gap and close this gap by taking the existing people that I have and training them to fill that gap, which should I do? And I think there's there's three basic ways that this can break down. There's three different categories that these skills can fall into to help you make that decision. Okay, so the first category that some of these skills are gonna fall into are the things that you will always need to train, right? This is the way you do business. This is your culture. These are proprietary processes on your proprietary products, right? You're not going to be able to go hire people to do this. I actually had an interesting discussion just earlier today with somebody who they were also um, previous military like I was, and we were talking about the fact that you know the military is the military because of training. That's what makes them so great. And he actually explained to me, this had never dawned on me before, that there's there's a reason for that. It wasn't just because, oh, you know, we're we're really into training in the military, and that's what we do. But it's because many of the skills, essentially all the skills that makes military members effective, they can't have outside. I mean, in some cases, you know, but if you think about, especially like special operations teams, you know, you're not going to have somebody that lists on their resume really experienced in underwater demolition. Like, I guess there's a few people out there who do that, but it's not a, a wide skill. Or, you know, in, in my case, you know, something like flying planes. There, there's plenty of pilots out there, but they're not, you know, flying fighter jets. They're not dropping bombs. A lot of the skills that are used in the military, you're not going to be doing anywhere outside the military. And so that means the military had to heavily invest in training because it wasn't going to get it wasn't going to have enough people otherwise it couldn't wait for the private sector to teach people to do these things the way most companies do so there's going to be certain skill gaps that fall into this bucket of the things you have to train and so that's you know great that that's something that, that you can put over there know that it's on your list of things that you have to develop okay awesome so that can inform your 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 training strategy because you know you're going to need to do those things but then there's this other category of stuff where you don't need to train it. You can choose to outsource it, right? You can say there's many industry certifications that people are going to need. And you can say, okay, when we think about closing this skill gap, because we need people to be able to do this thing that matches well with a particular certification, we're just going to say, 
you need to have the certification when you come in because it takes a really long time to get and we'd, we'd rather not deal with that. There's already proven strategies out in the market to get these skills and so we're just going to let the market handle that. You have to have the certification when you come here and, and that's all there is to it. Airlines do this kind of thing all the time where, you know, though they have lots of training within the airline for flying a particular type of plane, you already have to have your pilot's license. You already have to have a certain number of hours. There's, there's minimum expectations there. You know, I, there's lots of industry standards for things like welding where it's expected that you're already going to know how to weld. You will have achieved these certain certifications before we hire you. We might make you better, but we're not going to train you from the beginning to weld, right? So there's, there's lots of those situations out there. And this is the unfortunate thing, is that I think a lot of companies w heavily rely on letting the external market do their training for them. And it's to your detriment when you do that, because when someone goes out and learns a skill, they know they're, they're getting that skill because it's increasing their value. And so they're you know, going to expect more in the form of compensation. They're going to be able to expect more on a wide variety of fronts from any company that they choose to join. And the more highly skilled someone becomes, well, they're coming, they don't, you know, when, when a new hire, uh, when someone is applying to your company, they don't have any loyalty to your company yet. They don't know the culture. They don't know how you do things. There's no reason for them to not go somewhere else. And so for many companies, uh, when applicants are looking at companies, it's almost like a commodity where if I'm a highly skilled individual, I'm just going to go wherever, you know, gives me the, the, the best, uh, the, the best compensation, the best total package, the best job situation, whatever it is, but I'm the one that's going to kind of dictate that. And so as a result there, it, it can be really hard to attract that high talent for a lot of companies. And this is especially true when we think about, you know, the, the, bigger certifications, if you want to call them that, that most companies rely on. And that's things like the four-year degree. You know, I think a lot of times, historically, a lot of white-collar jobs have relied on the four-year degree as some kind of proof that someone just knows how to work or has a certain base level um, skill set that is, they just don't want to spend the time defining. But as college degrees have become more and more expensive, they mean that the people with those degrees are expecting higher and higher salaries and they kind of need them in order to pay off their, their degrees, right? And then this leads to the other uh, factor that is problematic for companies that rely too heavily on this. And that's the fact that what's taught by those external certification units or, or universities is very often more and more divorced with what you need within your company. Right. If you think about the kinds of things that are taught in universities, um, you know, maybe they have nothing to do with the way you want people to actually do the work. And so this is why, you know, so, so we've covered two basic buckets, right? The, the stuff that you know you need to train that because it's proprietary to you. And then there's the stuff that you can outsource. But in between those two, there's a place where you can choose to train it yourself. Sure, maybe somebody could get this training on the outside, but there's going to be two reasons why you might not want them to get it on the outside. The first is what we already talked about is the expense, right? You know, that person is now a more highly skilled individual and you're going to have to pay them more 
for that. And so, you know, if your hiring strategy is really looking closely at trying to decrease the cost of your hires, well, maybe you want to bring people at a lower level into your company and then have the resources inside to train them because, sure, they are still getting more skilled and could go out into the marketplace and potentially, you know, get higher salary. But assuming you're a good company with a good culture that's investing in them, you're going to get them, there's going to be a lot more stickiness there where they're now a little bit more loyal to you because you have helped them advance themselves. And though, you know, this doesn't mean it's a green light to treat them awfully, obviously, um, you know, but if you have a good company with a good culture, you will actually find that it, in some cases it can be cheaper to train the skills internally versus relying on some external source to give them those skills. And then the other reason why you might decide to train something even though you could outsource it is because what you'll find is that though there are external sources to get these certifications, they may not be that great. You know, they may, like we were talking about with universities, though the things they're teaching are more and more divorced with the way you want people to do things. So though it's it's kind of close, there's kind of a match theoretically, when it comes to the actual practical putting it to work, it, it's, it's just not doing it, right? So so what are what are we talking about here? Basically what we said is, uh, you know, to, to recap, there are two sides of the same coin trying to solve the problem of you have skills that you need in your organization and you don't have them. You can choose to either hire them or you can develop them. And so after you've identified the skills on your team that you need to, that you need, you put them into one of three buckets. First, the things you know you need to train because they're proprietary to you. The things you can outsource because there's external, you know, schools or certification bodies or whatever it is that can give them those certifications. But then of those things, some of them you can choose to bring back into your organization and train yourself. And the way you decide that is because you either want to save money or essentially train people a little bit better. And as we enter into 2023, where everybody's trying to save money, everybody's trying to do more with less, I think that middle bucket is going to get much, much more important. Um, so I think a lot of you are going to see this, you know, this idea of like, we can't just hire people to hire people just because you need to identify the skills and you need to have a clear plan of how you are going to fill those skills and which skills you're filling with a hire versus which skills you can simply train members of your current team to, to go after. I hope that was a helpful breakdown for you. Uh, I think this is a really interesting topic, and I always love talking to organizations where actually the talent leader, whoever's in head of head of talent, is actually responsible for both talent acquisition and talent development. I think that's a, a really interesting way to organize a company, um, but not everyone is doing it. So even if you are an individual manager out in the business, I think these are some questions that you can start asking to not only improve your training abilities and your training pipeline, but also improving your hiring pipeline as well. So thank you so much for, for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you next time on The Practical Learning Professional. Hey, are you new to learning or struggling keeping up with the learning needs of your organization? If, if you find yourself in that position, I want to help out. So down in the description of this video, there's a link to schedule time with me where we can chat about uh, kind of the challenges that you're having and seeing if there's any way that Better Everyday Studios could help you take your learning organization to the next level. I'd really love to hear from you. Even if we never do business, I just love talking to learning people like you. So please go down to the description below and click on the link, set up some time with me. I'd really love to chat.